Hello everybody, welcome to this edition of the ianabernethy.com podcast. In this podcast I'm talking to Randy Brown, who's a Mantis Kung Fu practitioner and a practitioner of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So like myself, Randy's someone who's looking at the traditional martial arts, reappraising them, thinking about how they should be applied with relevance to the, uh, the modern world. So quite a few people in Randy's circle had been telling him that he should talk to me. Uh, quite a few people in my circle had been telling me we should talk to Randy uh, so we eventually got together and did a podcast together so we chatted quite a while ago now it's been on uh, Randy's uh, YouTube channel for a little while and it's this conversation has been available to my app users for a little while as well but I wanted to share it publicly uh, via the uh, the podcast route as well because it was just it was a fantastic conversation I, I really really enjoyed talking to, to Randy he's someone I want to talk to again and, and we <laughs> I was about to say we could talk for hours but we did uh, the plan was originally to talk for about one hour uh, and I think we ended up chatting for two and a half hours uh, um, non-stop uh, chatted about everything so traditional martial arts the culture um, the history the pseudo history all the kind of stuff that you guys really like uh, I, I really really enjoyed the conversation and I'm, I'm sure you will too so uh, what, there was a slight miscommunication when me and Randy were planning this because uh, I thought we were doing audio only uh, Randy thought we were doing video and audio uh, so when we got together, uh, Randy said, oh, we can just do it audio if you like. I went, no, no, it's fine. I'll knock the camera on. Uh, but the mistake I made was I was in my training room as we recorded the, the video. And my training room doesn't have a light fitting in it because uh, it kept getting hit by various things. And I tend to train in there during the day. So I took the light fitting down and haven't put up a suitable replacement. So uh, as we were filming this, it got darker and darker. Still morning for Randy. It, it's getting into the evening for me, of course, because of the time difference between uh, the USA and the UK. So I thought I should mention that because towards the end of the podcast, you'll hear me start talking about trying to illuminate myself with the <laughs> with the light on my phone, and then eventually that failed. But you know, the audio is is, is crystal clear. I'm going to split this into three parts uh, because again, it is quite long. So I'm going to split it up into three bits so you can listen to it uh, in you know smaller more manageable sections but i'm certain if you haven't heard this already you're going to love this conversation uh, check out randy's stuff it's really really good you'll recognize a lot of parallels uh, with the kind of things that, uh, that that we do but fascinating guy love this conversation so without further ado i'll hand you over to myself and uh, randy So I think from from for my guys, for my audience, uh, I think we'd be just a little bit interested in your background. So I believe you started Taekwondo was the original art, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Um, I did that briefly for a little bit while I was in the army, and uh, I I liked it. I wanted to do martial arts my whole life, so I didn't care what style it was. I didn't have anything in mind. It was that was the closest, easiest thing, and. A uh, friend of mine that I was in the military with was at that, uh, found that school and that instructor. So we went there. Yeah, I think it's a case for a lot of people, you know, that we, we, we don't start with a grand plan. We just start where we start. And then later on, we make a more informed decision, you see. So then you moved on to, uh, it's the Chinese systems and the, the Manti stuff is obviously what you're, you're well known for. So how, how, did, how did you eventually find that and get into that? 
I, uh, well, and I've told this story before, but when I was doing Taekwondo in the army, uh, a good friend of mine had grown up doing Kung Fu. Uh, his dad taught him and we would spar and he would beat the crap out of me and he'd be <laughs> doing all this stuff. I was like, how'd you get over there? You're on my side. You're behind me. And he was circling a lot. And the Taekwondo was very much down the pipe. Like you go forward, you go back, you go forward, you go back. So I had it in my mind. It's like, well, that must be a better style. <laughs> Little did I know the hornet's nest I was getting into there. Um, so when, uh, you know, if you, this was probably f five years later before I finally got back into, maybe actually even longer, seven years later before I got back into martial arts and I had it in my head, I got to do Kung Fu. That's the style. That's yeah. the best. Um so I sought that out, but it was very hard to find in the state that I lived in. And the only instructor I could find that taught it was uh, Mantis Boxing, Prey Mantis Boxing. Mm. And I did, I'd never heard of it. It wasn't something that was even on my radar ever. I, I didn't watch all the Kung Fu movies mm. growing up and stuff. So, Yeah. I, I mean, I must, must admit, I mean, here in the, the UK, I don't... I, I'm aware of it. I'm, I'm aware that there is a Manti style. I don't think I've ever come across a practitioner of it. I'm sure they're out there, but they're mostly they are. very small in number. Yeah. I, I've got a lot of people that have contacted me from your neck of the woods so, uh, yeah. that, uh, that are over there, but it's a dying art. It really, that was one of my goals with my YouTube channel was to preserve, if nothing else, to preserve Mantis boxing for later generations if it did die. Mm. or to revitalize it if possible and get some interest in it again but uh more practical interest because that's yeah. part of the problem is as like you uh in your experience with reverse engineering these styles people have lost interest in stuff especially since the onset of the ufc and mma is like well what what does it do how yeah. does it work <clears throat> Yeah, I think that that's and that's one parallel we've definitely got. I think with the um, like you, I mean, I started in karate because I knew I want I wanted to do martial arts. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was aware of a local karate club and a judo club. I originally wanted to do both, but my parents said, you know, that there's only so many hours in the day, and right. you know, so pick a pick one. So my brother did judo actually. My brother did judo, and then I uh, I took up uh, karate, and I got lucky. I just happened to go to what was a very good school, but I could just have easily have gone to one that that wasn't as good, you know. Um, yeah. So that was uh, wado was a particular branch, you know. Although I don't really use that term now. I think my own karate. I still call it karate, but I don't think the wado label really applies because of other influences. Mm -hmm. But but it was the same with that. You know, I, I start training. I've been doing that since I was 11 years old. You know, I turned yeah, 50 I next that. year. So yeah, long time. Right. Um, but, 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 but during that time, it's, it's definitely changed and evolved. And I think as well, we have the same thing over on this side of the Atlantic in the 1990s. The UFC was a great catalyst for getting people to look at things and, and reassess it. And right. we also had two of my um, instructors, uh, Jeff Thompson and Peter Considine, were writing a lot about self-protection and the realities of self-defense, both former doormen. Uh, Peter was a, a bodyguard, security consultant. And that got people to reflect and, and reassess as well. Yeah. So I started, yeah. I'd been looking at the functionality of what we did for, for, for a while, but that, that perfect storm was, I mean, that wave crashed and I was, 
it smashed some people and I was like a surfer. I read it. <laughs> right, so then, right, yeah, right. Just, yeah, because just a lot of what I was doing just the ocean. Yeah, exactly. A lot of what I was doing kind of fit with that. So in the, I managed to find uh, an audience for what I was I was I was seeing. So that that helped. Did you now as part of your influence of of going that route? Uh, your because judo is more more practical has always been more practical than some of the other arts. It maintained those roots. And mm. did you spar with your brother and notice that? Uh, did you did that help you in ways? No, no, we we were categorically banned from uh, <laughs> any such activities. <laughs> um, but no, my my, bro my brother was actually training in judo before I took up karate. You see, so uh, but I'd always liked the um, the look of judo, and I had this vague yeah. appreciation that judo was more the grappling and karate was more the striking, and I wanted to do a bit of both. Right. As it is, I mean, I went back to judo later on and, and found there was a lot more grappling within the karate than I first um, yeah. first um, um, anticipated. But no, no, I, I think it, it was uh, just I do have one of those mindsets that just likes to question everything. Why? Yep. Why? Why? Yeah. You know, so I, I think naturally when I'm looking at the martial arts is, is, is why are we doing this? What what function yep. does that serve? You know, and that, that thought process helped me well. And where I've been really lucky, I've had instructors who've encouraged that. Whereas you do get some is, you know, don't think, just do what I tell you. You know, and I, I never yeah. had that. I, I had instructors who were, yeah, go and train with that guy. Yeah, go and find that out. And it was just, that was, you know, really helpful. And I'm very grateful for that, you see, so. So they, when you started, they didn't do what you do now. Uh, you had to go out and learn that stuff and figure it out on your own. It, it, well, it, it kind of a fusion, really. I would say some of it I was taught, um, some of it's my own. You know what I mean? So it, it's I'm a kind of fusion of everything I've ever been taught by mm -hmm. my various instructors. And we then, all are, right? Yeah, and then and then I kind of put my own spin on it and bring it together in a way that works for me, which is why I feel I mean I use I, I I'm definitely I always say I'm a martial artist first, a karate mm. second, and I've no idea what style I am. You know, I mean I, I used to know, I have no idea now because you know my main inst instructor um, uh, is like Doug James Eighth down in Wado, uh, but even he said you know I don't teach pure Wado, I teach my interpretation of it. Right. And then I trained with Jeff Thompson and Peter Constein, who, from a karate perspective, are Shotokan and Shukakai. And so, you know, then the judo influence comes back in as well. I, you know, trained in, uh, with some great judo people. And, and there's little bits of that that find their way back in. So ultimately, I, I label it as karate because that's what it is to me. Um, but what I find interesting as well is, you know, um, uh, when I look at the history of karate, like Funakoshi, for example, is regarded as the father of modern karate, is very anti the idea of styles. You know, he, he regarded yeah. it as being divisive and would be damaging to karate, you know, so. Um, Absolutely. But it's a strange thing. So, so this is what, again, so, you know, you were saying about um, preserving, um, you know, like, like, I mean, I want karate to thrive into the future. And you obviously want right. what you do to thrive into the future. But, but, but I'm, I'm not trying to preserve what I do in Amber. I've always thought the tradition has been one of constant evolution. And yes. looking at you and what you do, I, I, I kind of see that there as well. So, it, definitely, yeah. Definitely. So, I'm, I'm guessing you don't teach it as exactly as you were taught. You know? No, I don't. Um, and I have a bit of a sordid history on my end with all that stuff. I wasn't as encouraged as much as you were, but that's uh, uh, that's the dark the dark closet we won't get into. <laughs> but um, yeah, especially. 
so Manta's boxing fractured sometime in the early 1900s, and a lot of that separation that Funakoshi talks about did exactly that. It created pockets of these these people doing this and that, and when you rip it all apart, they're not that different. And there's questions on whether the style even existed prior to the late 1800s and early 1900s as um, as a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was my experience. I got into Mantis and there weren't any applications taught. Um, I mean, it was even so blatant as, and my instructor lied to me about that. He was very honest up front, said, I don't, he was a boxer and a kickboxer and he taught Kempo. He had learned uh, Mantis forms. And he said, I can teach you the forms, but I can't teach you the applications. So even when he would belt test me, it was uh, part of my test was try to come up with four strikes, four kicks, four locks and four throws from this form or that form, mm-hmm. um, which I, I didn't have any experience to be able to. I didn't have any qualification to do that, but it it forged this idea in my mind that to try to figure things out, to try to, what, why are we doing that move? And what does that move do? Um, but I, I very much came to terms with, so when I say preserve, I guess my preservation would be in the overall Mm. label or brand of Mantis boxing, but uh, in the past few years, I've really come to terms with I do my own thing. And even when people ask me, what style of Mantis is that? What style of Mantis? It's like, it's mine. I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to subscribe to any style because one, I don't really think they were any styles when you look at the history of it. And um, they're really labels that people kind of revisionist history over things or somebody branded themselves differently. Yeah, see, that's um, the karate history is exactly the same. You know, it's exactly the same, you know, for, so, especially when it went to Japan, where there's uh, within that culture at that time, lineage is more important. So, so they, they ask the karate, you know, what's, what style is this? What's, and, and they don't know. So they name it after the villages they come from. So, oh, so, 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 you know, so, like, it's, it's uh, one of Choji Maggi's students. He's in Japan. What style do you do? Uh, Nahate, because he's from Naha. So the hand of Naha. He then goes back to Miyagi and says, that wasn't a great answer. Says, no, we'll, okay, we'll call ourselves Gojiru. But, uh, and then, of course, th- then you get this revisionist history that these styles, Nahate, Shurite, and Tamarite, existed. They, they, they didn't. You know, the, the, yeah. it's revisionist history. Those labels are applied. Uh, uh, retroactively, you see. Yeah. So yeah. So it seems like you know very similar thing happening in in for your art as well. You know. It is even uh, like eight step mantis is one of the newest, uh, not the newest, but one of the newer ones. <clears throat> and uh, it came, uh, definitely came in the latter part of the 1900s, and the the guy that that taught it said don't call it just he called it praying mantis boxing he didn't call it anything else and that his students ended up labeling it eight step yeah yeah yeah. no it is it's 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 strange on this idea of styles you know Um, to to illustrate this point one of my instructors uh peter was doing a seminar 
and he's got um, people who train with him in various systems. So he told me, turn up with your gi on. There was Danny, who's a, a Thai boxer of some renown. Peter, another Peter, who's a, a kickboxer. And then he got us all to demonstrate various pad drills and stuff. And at the end of it, he went to everyone, what was different? They went, the clothes they had on. So he said, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's pretty much it. You know, when they actually start, start performing things. And it led to like a brilliant line. It was uh, Bob Sykes, who's the editor of a martial arts magazine over here. Um, uh, it was privy to overhear a conversation he was having. And they were talking about this idea that sometimes it is that, you know, you put this uniform on and you're doing that system. Yeah. And he said, he said, yeah, he says, so, and he pauses for thought and he's quite a witty guy. And he said, he goes, yeah, he says, he said, I don't know about cross training then, but I've certainly done my fair share of cross dressing. <laughs> which I thought was just a brilliant line, right? You know, you know and I had that. I remember I was once, I was in the gym, you know, the weightlifting gym, and I have a pair of Thai boxing shorts that I find really comfortable to train in. Right. So I often train in, so I'm doing, I'm working out on the bag in the Thai boxing shorts. And oh, I didn't know you'd done Thai boxing as well, Ian. I've never done Thai boxing, but I own a pair of Thai boxing shorts, you know. <laughs> I once did a, a charity seminar um, to raise money, and I looked around at all the other instructors, and I thought, I want to teach something different. So I look, and there's the judo guy. So, okay, forget throws and, you know, the Thai guy. Okay, he's going to be teaching pad work. And I kind of worked my way around. I, thought, I don't think anyone's going to do trapping. So I'll just do some basic trapping. So I did trapping uh, from Nahanshi Kata, one of the forms. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was uh, all the instructors had blue T-shirts on with instructor written on it. And at the end, this guy comes up and said, uh, he goes, I really enjoyed that. He said, it's the first time I've done Wing Chun. How long have you been doing Wing Chun? That I've never <laughs> done Wing Chun, and, and you haven't either. <laughs> you know, so the, 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 the yeah. I think, yeah, I, I, there's um, Gavin Mulholland, who's a, um, a British Gojuru instructor. He says, sometimes our styles are not what we do, they're how we train what we do. You know, and I thought yeah. that that's a fairly nice distinction because um, my experience has been at a certain point, we may train in different ways or record those skills in different ways or have differing drills. But at a certain point, it all starts to mash together because you've got two human beings interacting in a violent way. There's only so many ways that can happen. I, I fully agree with you. And to to highlight uh there's a couple of experiences i had and my own flaws with that is getting stuck in labels and boxes as i said my first mantis teacher was uh also a boxer kickboxer and he tried to teach me uh boxing he tried to teach me kickboxing and i tried for a little bit and i was like no i don't i want to do kung fu <laughs> <laughs> and uh i sent him a letter years later and i i said uh I said, my apologies. I said, uh, had I known what I know now, I should have done that because it would have made my other stuff better. I didn't know it was all the same stuff. That, uh, But we just get stuck in. I guess that taught me a lesson, too, as running a school that labels are important, not necessarily to me or you, but they're important to the beginner that walks in the oh, door. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they want to have an idea of what it is they're, they're learning. And right. I think for some people too, I mean, you know, I, I kind of get this is on the back of our, um, like handbook, if you like the club handbook that explains what we do. I have a, um, a very basic family tree, which mm -hmm. starts with me and then goes back as far as we know, you know, yep. um, cause for some people it, it, it's just kind of nice to feel part of that tradition. I like, I like that. I like feeling, uh, a part of those, um, a link in that chain. Yeah. So I, I kind of get that, you know, so I, I'm happy for some of the labels to ebb and flow, but um, I know where I'm coming from. I, I always like it. I think it's, I use a tree as an analogy. 
So if a tree is yeah. healthy, it's got strong roots, but the whole purpose of those roots is to encourage new growth. You know, the only tree that remains exactly the same is a dead tree, you know, so we don't want to yeah. draw from those roots. And I'm proud of those roots, which is what makes me a traditionalist. But at the other end, I still want to be developing and growing and evolving and trying to make it better. So not, you, and not, not because I'm better than those who went before. It's just because no, I've no, no, no. Got, we should I'm, be evolving. Yeah. We should be. It's not about uh, ego. It's not about uh, being better than the people in our past. It's really what can we do? Because I, I look at it like, well, somebody could have been in a bubble. So mm. if you were in a bubble, let's say you did Japanese jujitsu, and which was a samurai art, they didn't strike because they were wearing armor. Mm -hmm. So it was mostly uh, the throws and then the ground, the newaza, uh, in case you lost your sword and you had to grapple. <clears throat> but so they're not strikers by by historical record. They're they're striking and their kicking is probably very low tech. So does that mean that? as a jujitsu practitioner that you should never look at striking. You should never look at kicking when the field has changed or the other, like people are introduced to other arts and other styles where you see, Oh, that could really benefit. I mean, yeah. that was MMA isn't new. Uh, a lot of these, even I'm sure you would agree with what you do that karate was, was MMA back when it was created. Yeah, I, I think he's, well, you've got two definitions of that label, haven't you, really? So you've got the modern sport of MMA, right. which, which, you, which you wasn't, you know what I mean? You, you, I think that's very highly evolved. So it would be wrong mm -hmm. to say, oh, yeah, they were doing that in Okinawa 100 years ago, because they weren't. No, right, right. But, but, right. but in, in terms of um, martial arts being mixed, mm -hmm. that's happened all the time. I always find that a really interesting thing. I can't quite get my head around the psychology of this is because if you look at the, the history, every every generation took what they'd been taught, melded it with other things, did their best to improve it, and passed the baton on. Right. Uh, but there is the, but there is a school of thought that goes, but now it's perfect and can never be altered. I know. You know and, it's and, crazy. I, and I can't quite get my head around that. I mean, a, a friend of mine says this. He goes, no other field of human endeavor believes it reached perfection in the 1930s. None. You know, no. you, you know, I, if I want, um, I, I want, I want a modern car. I don't want a car from the 1940s or 50s. I acknowledge that they've, they've got better and safer and more efficient. So, so why? And it's not even traditional as well. That's the other thing because the, the old masters changed it too. I, yeah. I think sometimes, again, I think some people do worry about the ego thing, but I always liken it to science. So, like modern science, modern physicists don't look back at Newton and go, "Well, you were an idiot because you didn't know right. this." They acknowledge, yeah, but we, we only know what we know because you took right. us to that point. And that's kind of how I yeah. like to view the old masters, you know. Even if they correct something where somebody previous was wrong and went down the wrong path, they don't they don't just throw them out and slam them because and they recognize that you helped build the foundation for where we are today. Yeah, I know, hundred percent. Yeah. I have a uh experience we went to um and I'll leave the names out um out of respect, but we went to this annual gathering of uh, Mantis, this dinner, um, and different, uh, all these different teachers are there. And uh, this one very, uh, very senior practitioner, uh, I don't really know if he's a teacher per se. I'm not sure. I can't speak to how many people he's taught, but uh, he studied with this common teacher they all had in common, the seniors. And uh, he stood up on stage. And 
alcohol was not being served at this event, railed, railed at the audience, at all, everybody sitting there screaming and yelling um, that you have to do, your mantis has to be exactly like his teachers. You cannot change anything. It has to be. And it's you're you're evil. You're disgusting if you change anything. And it was, I was in shock. I was just like, wow, this is unbelievable that somebody would would. So I, I don't understand it either. I I have a feeling that it has to do with fear, uh, yeah. or the human the human necessity to have control or be in a fixed environment without things changing on them. Mm. Um, that that makes people comfortable so they like like certain individuals gravitate towards that this is the way it is and it can never be different i mean i can't explain it either that's my best guess <laughs> uh, I, I, for me part of the attraction of uh is it's so open and endless I, mm -hmm. I like martial arts i don't want it to end so i, I don't yeah. want it to be like like a series of like books or a tv show where you go well you've learned this that's it you're done Right. And, 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 and I get some people might be attracted to that, like level complete. You know what I mean? I've done it now, but but yeah. um, I, I always I enjoy it. I don't want it to end. I don't want to wake up one day and think I know it all. I, I love the fact yeah. that I, I'm aware of how little I do know. You know, um, I I, I kind of like that. So you must have got quite a bit of um, uh, flack. When when you start uh, bringing because you think yeah. you know Bra Bra Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is. Um, I think sometimes, not for me, but I think sometimes for traditional martial artists, that's the antithesis. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It, it, it's, 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 um, it's everything that's wrong because it works and we don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how dare they? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Don't, how, tell how that, dare don't they? say that too loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be thousands of years old and, you know. Right, right. Um, and of course, because of, you know, in the UFC, that was arguably the thing that in the early days just upended everything the most. You it, know? it upset everybody, right? Yeah. It made everybody look at their own stuff and say, ooh, um, <laughs> uh, maybe we do need to fix this. But, uh, you know, people have two reactions to that. They either uh, embrace the suck and they <laughs> fix and they change and evolve or they hide their head in the sand and they say no that's that stuff's that doesn't work i would just eye gouge you i would just <laughs> grab your groin like sure you would okay sure yeah, you would yeah. i um yeah no it is it's, it's a, you you must have got a quite i would imagine from that traditional circles especially the fact that if, if i'm yeah. right am i right in thinking that when you teach Mantis now, the, the Brazilian, you teach them separately and together. Is, is that correct? So you're, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu yeah. is bled into the, the Mantis stuff as well. So, yeah, it's interesting that uh, if I'm being completely uh, transparent with that, because it's a newer art for me, I've only been doing, I started BJJ when I was 30, 39. And so... Uh, less than eight years or about eight years and it was because it's newer i feel let me say this bjj is completely different um at least in my experience with the instructor that i had i was very fortunate where uh, he fostered creativity yeah. he fostered individuality uh, I mean, in comparison, if you stand us side by side, I weigh 140, he weighs 260. 
Um, he's, you know, I, I'm, I look like a midget next to him. So it's not, it's not something where he and I are going to necessarily have everything in common with the way we apply the art. And, uh, so in saying that, although I've been given the freedom to develop my own methods and my, what works for me, uh, as most people and any of his students, mm. um, you know, things have to follow a certain guidelines, yeah, yeah. Thing, right? But, uh, because I've been given that flexibility, I've been able to grow and evolve. However, I'm still less comfortable with the idea of my real goal down the road would be, I would just have one, one system that's mine that blends the two together. But there's a, there's a sport jujitsu now. And very much that's what I was doing was the sport aspect. So that there wasn't striking, there wasn't uh, kicking, there wasn't even a lot of takedowns. It was most of the class because people worried about injuries with throwing. If, if half the class, Stefan talks about this, hmm. um, who's a victim of it. If somebody's laying on the ground next to you and somebody else is throwing and they're not paying attention, you land on them and, and people get really messed up hmm. um, and throws hurt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so people like being on the ground. You can, in jujitsu, you can feel like a badass without ever getting punched in the head. Hmm. Um, so I, I guess the transparency that I was talking about is when I teach jujitsu still, I teach it the way that I was taught it. Mm -hmm. I haven't changed the teaching method yet, even though the art is, is, is my own. Um, but with, so when I, when we grapple in G, my BJJ classes, when we spar, there's no striking, there's no kicking. There is admittedly so much to work on without those components. So, um, to elevate those skills, I, it's, it's still a valid training tool, but in my mantis class, when people are sparring, when my students start sparring, if you end up on the ground, you're not allowed to stand up. Yeah. You have to work it out. Mm. So in my mantis class, the two have melded together. And if I have people that come in and they only want to do mantis, I don't say a word like, <laughs> sure, absolutely. You're welcome to just do the mantis class. And then, uh, they don't spar right away. There's, I don't have students getting into sparring until they've been there a little while, kind of teach them to fight before they start fighting. Mm -hmm. But when they start sparring, invariably they end up on the ground and they pretty much most of the time within a class or two come sign up for the jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a problem I need help solving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it works itself out. I don't need to get involved. <laughs> no, no. Well, that was what one of my instructors used to say. He said, you can be a tenth man on your feet and a white belt on your back. Yeah. And, yeah, and that phrase always kind of resonated with me, you see. So a lot of the guys, we're quite lucky that we've got some of the black belts we have at the club are also judo black belts. You know, they they, they yeah. trained in judo first and then came came to us. And um I think half of our current instructors have all trained in judo as well, you know. So, so there's elements of like yourself when I when, when I was doing it, it was a strong competitive judo club, right. and I didn't want to be that guy, you know, the guy who turns up and goes, "Well, I could kick you here, or I could throw a punch yes. here," yeah. you know. I, I thought I, I want to go here to learn judo and, right. and immerse myself in judo, and then yeah. 
later on, I'll decide which bits of this are a good fit for the karate. So again, it seems like I've done a similar thing to yourself. Some of it bolts together really nicely. Some of it doesn't. No, but the, the do classic example doesn't work as well with with judo and karate what do you find doesn't work as well like it's, it's the object i mean the one thing about those two arts is they they're very similar culturally so that they wear a white gi they have the dan grid q grid system they use japanese terminology uh, they've got a lot in common but but there's um it's the objective stuff so for um so for example in judo you win by pinning a guy on his back so they have lots of techniques for flipping a guy on his belly onto his back none of which is relevant outside of sport judo correct you know yes. yeah, you know I, I would rather the guy was face down with his weapons facing away from me than on his back with his weapons facing yep. up at me so all of or, those skills or with shui jiao the chinese throwing art it's more about throwing well was before the they started adopting more like a judo competition but it's about dropping them on their head yeah, not yeah. dropping them on their back. No, the, that, that, yeah. So the, the, there's that objective, and then of course the way in which they engage. You know, it tends to be uh, quite flat-footed. Um, whereas if you're sparring from a crap speed, you'll be a little bit more mobile at the distance. The, it, you know, so the, there's there's some things as soon as you allow a strike. Uh, the, the judo that was the one thing is when with the, when I was the, the judo randori when the, the the down with the arms it was like everything in me wants to throw that jab. You know, you know what I mean. So, um, so there's that element of it too. But, but it works. You know, it works both ways. You know, there's certain things you could do in the karate that, if you tried it against a good judo player, it's it's, it's in that context, yeah. it's not going to work either. So, I, I always think sometimes people get into this habit of it, it's good or it's bad. And what I try and encourage in my own thinking, everyone else, no, it, it's it's appropriate or inappropriate. So something might be appropriate in one context yeah. and then not appropriate in another. It doesn't mean it's bad. You know what I mean? It just means it's it's not the tool you should be using for this specific task. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking when you first said that. It, it's right place, right time. It's like yeah, yeah. that. Okay, if if sure, if you can get, like if you're a judo player and you can get in on somebody and get your hands on them, then great. Those things, you know, you're, you're a master at that range, but you've got to get there. And vice versa, if the if you're a striker and the judo guy gets his hands on you and you don't have any grappling skill, it's like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's it. Chain is strong as its weakest link style of thing, you know, so. Um, but again, I, I found that was one of the things is, you know, um, like misconceptions you expect, you know. So I, I my experience is judo guys, they, they, they're constantly stopping and redirecting grips. And, and, a, and a guy reaching out to grab you is not a million miles different from a guy throwing a punch at you. So right. you know, I mean, they're, they're with with minimal training, they become pretty successful blockers quite quickly. Yeah, because because they've got the reaction skills, you know. Um, so it's it's not like they're sitting ducks for anything, you know. It's just right. Um, yeah. So uh, there, there was a there, so those kind of things. Not, and of course, you know, my my, my judo instructor used to hate this as well because whenever he'd introduced me to somebody, this is Ian. I'd go, yeah, me and I do karate. I'm here to learn a little bit of. And he would say, he said, I know, I know, I know all of one when you say, I'm Ian, I do judo. <laughs> so, you know, there was always that context. But in my mind, that's always what it was. You know, it was always, I want to immerse myself in this for the fun and enjoyment right. of it. And then, then I'll take back the bits. That Did I feel you plan on, uh, uh, do you have a belt? Are you ranked in judo? No, well, I, I did the first few grades, but I was lucky enough just to be able to, I went, well, this is okay. the other story as well. So um, one of my students was uh, a judo instructor. One of my karate instructors said, you need to do some judo now. You know what I mean? Because he'd done some yep. judo too. Right? Okay, I'll do some judo. 
So uh, I'd contacted my friend and he said, no, you don't want to train with me. You want to train with my instructor. So I went down to see him and, he, and at the, the, it's a Kendall Judo Club. The instructor's uh, Mike Liptrot. He's a really well-known guy in, in the UK. And on the Tuesday morning, they had uh, four or five international level athletes that were training there, you see. And he said, he says, you can come and train with us on the Tuesday morning as well. The client, what, what, really? And he said, no, of course, we'd love to have you, you see. So I was dead. And then, of course, you realize all it was, they, they didn't have an Uki for the heavyweight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so that short little dumpy guy will be ideal to throw around. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, it was great because then I then got the opportunity to join in these classes with these really high level guys. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I and they were really good with me, you know. So um, I, I, I was able to give them the feeds that they wanted. I could mimic it. So they go, I'm going to go here. I want you to step there. I'm going to do this, and I want you to move. Can you fake that? Yeah, I can do that. So, and then for me, I got lots of instruction from them, you know. So. If you, so I can't put it in the context of belts, uh, maybe I could put it in the context of, did you, did you stay with judo longer than you, you originally anticipated that you would? Yeah, I think so. And I enjoyed it a lot more for its own sake than, 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 yeah. than I anticipated. I mean, the only reason I, um, it just, I, um, it was time with the traveling and the teaching family things. Yeah. The club is, uh, 60 miles away. So it's a yeah. long round trip each time as well. So so that that was the only reason that I stopped. But but given uh, unlimited time and resources, I, I'd be I'd be I'd, I'd still be there. I, I, I just really um, the camaraderie of the club was great. The the yeah. way that they taught was great. I, I I picked up lots of things from from my time with them. So did you already have before you started doing judo? Uh, um... Did you already have all the grappling and throws worked out in karate, or did that help you to figure out what some of the moves in the kata were that you previously didn't didn't well, recognize? Uh, for, for, for me, one of my instructors, when he started training in judo, that was his experience. He started to recognize movements in the katas that he'd previously not understood that went, oh, that looks exactly like this throw. Yeah. For, for me, it was the other way around. So I, I'd, been, I'd been taught uh throwing as part of uh the karate i'd wow. quite a lot and when, okay. I, when i when i went there the uh the, the uh he said to me he says, oh, he says you'll have done some throwing in the karate right says, yes he says can i see it and i went yeah you know what do you want to see so i did the throws and he went yeah it's fine it looks like 1950s judo you know what i mean so it was like you know it was like you know yeah it's outdated stuff now you know in compared to the, yeah. the way they've evolved the, the techniques um so yeah so they yeah, that was that was the, the the big difference the neat to modernize i'm just aware by the way in this there's a window there and obviously this part of the way it's getting dark oh do you want to get your light fixed I, I, there is no light in here this this room ah. believe it or not um uh, i um <laughs> it's uh that's right um, we'll have the yin and yang uh yeah effect. i'll move a bit closer to the the, the thing <laughs> I, I, yeah, the, 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 there's um, there's a, a light fitting that's been taken down and it, like anything oh. else with me it's been down for months so I've been meaning to get it in. So if it gets dark to people, that's what's happening, just in case so they know. No, no worries. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a, a similar experience with with jujitsu, where it was very far away. I mean, I had closer places, but I tried them out, and I had some really bad experiences there. So the person I ended up uh, linking up with that I really uh, clicked with for a teacher was two hours a drive each way. So to go in the middle of the day, it was a four-hour uh, trek, um, mm. just in the car, Never mind the, uh, the hour and 15 hour and a half class that was there. So, um, it was long term, but I didn't plan. I only planned on getting a blue belt 
level of skill. And that was one of the Mantis coaches I was working with was really uh, encouraged me to do juju uh, to do um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because we just don't have an answer for what happens when you're on the ground. Mm. Uh, and the, if the Chinese arts ever had it, which I do believe that they did, because it's it's not something exclusive to Jap Japan with judo or uh, Jiu Jitsu or uh, Brazil or wrestling. I mean, this is. Uh, something that humans have had to deal with and contend with for thousands of years, for forever. Uh, so <clears throat> I think that whatever existed in China has been lost. There are some hints of it. Mm. I actually did some forms that weren't Mantis early on that had moves in it that I know what those moves are now from Brazilian mm. Jiu-Jitsu. That it's like, oh, that's cool. So I can I can see hints of it. But uh, we didn't have any answer for that. And no. There's little bits, you know, from the, from the karate perspective, you know, um, references to groundwork. To his, but it's nowhere near as developed. And, and again, so like Itaman in one of his books, he talks about holds. And that's ground fighting holds. He says these are not as well developed as they are in judo. He acknowledges that judo guys do these better. So it's like anything else. You know, if you want to learn something, learn it from the expert. Don't learn it from the amateur. So, right. you know, if, if judo was specialized, for example, in throwing, then it makes sense to go to them to learn throwing. Uh, my, 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 my own little mantra is I acknowledge I can't be an expert at everything, but I want to be a beginner at nothing. That, that, that's where I'm, 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 I've got. That's a good one. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, like that. I, there's just, I mean, I always I, I'll refer to the judo guys again. So while I was there, the full time guys are training five days a week, have one rest day and compete on Sundays. You know, and that's their lives. And they're training typically three, four times a day to get good at throwing and groundwork, um, yep. uh, to get really good. You know what I mean? Like world-level right. good. So if I was to then say to them, and now I'm going to teach you to punch, and now I'm going to teach you to kick, they haven't got time. You know, they, right. they haven't got time to do it. And they're full-time at it. Most people aren't full-time. So I think the, the key is you choose what you want to be – have a good base in everything. Particularly self-defense-wise, yeah. I think that's really important. You don't need to be the world's best puncher, but you should know how to throw a punch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, you don't need to be the world's best grappler, but you should know the basics for self-defense purposes. And, and then you decide which areas you want to specialize in. That's always, always been my my thing. Can't be, I like mm. striking. Um, um, I, I like all of it, but I, I, my judo instructor did say that to me. He said, you took up the wrong martial art, right? Because, you know, with your build and everything, if you said you took up judo when you're younger, you could have been good at this. And I went, no, you're wrong. He says, how do you think the karate was the right art for you? And it goes, because I just like hitting things. <laughs> in, the time yeah. it takes me to, in the time it takes me to throw you, I could have hit you five times. <laughs> so that answers a question I was going to ask you today. It was if you, regretted, uh, if you regretted your choice and if you had to do it all over again, would you have still chosen that art? So. Yeah, no, I think no, I think I'm karate has been good to me, but but when I've been lucky is I've been able to do karate in my way, so I've made it into what I want it to be through my choice of who I've studied with and how I've taught it and how I've practiced. Right. So, uh, but but in retrospect, you know, I, I, I if if I took up another system, I'd probably still be pretty much where I am now. You know, I, I like the karate vehicle. I like the history for it. But if I'd ended up going to a jujitsu club by instead, I'm sure that my practice would be fairly similar now. Yeah. Do you think that? Um, do you think that I don't? Um, so, how many kata do you have in your system? Maybe well, questions to start with. Yeah. So, I, I, in our in our club, we 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 do ten in total, and, okay. and that's 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 over about a twenty year period. So, uh, you, so we do far fewer than most. Yeah. 
do you oh so there's typically more in other styles yeah okay. m m most people will probably know that, um 10 12 within the first three or four years of training but what they do is they learn the, the surface of it so they can replicate it but right. they don't do anything with it whereas we have a whole series of two-person drills that go along with them so they yep. take longer to learn so yeah. do you do you have all the applications worked out now for every yeah. kata nice yeah, for all, all, all awesome. the ones that we do and yeah we, we, we've got set ones so so and again that leads to i mean you might have a, a similar thing because obviously we've got in some cases you have firm historical records that point to this move means this in other yeah. cases you're following guidance and, and you're coming to your own fairly solid but still nevertheless your own conclusions so mm. there's um sometimes people go yeah but we don't know what the application for that move originally was i, go, I don't care because right. i know what that is for us exactly. my, my students get taught exactly what that application is it doesn't matter to me what the school down the road does it doesn't matter to me what they did 100 years ago it, it's it's fulfilling the purpose we need it to for it us. does it yeah. work that's what matters yeah exactly yeah, it's not archaeology. I mean, that that's there's a part of that that I've enjoyed is trying to figure things out and uh, reverse engineering. And when you do figure out what somebody's intent was, it's cool. But do you even use that? And would you even use that in your own style of fighting? Mm -hmm. uh, is it are you the right build for the person who created that move? Are you the rights? Do you have the right setups to to make it happen? Or can you never even get there in a fight to to see it through? Yeah. So there's all these other factors that go along with it's not just what do you what does what did uh such and such master a hundred years ago or two hundred years ago, what was their intent with that move? If you know it, then that's cool. But does as long as what you do works, then why does that matter? It, it, let's say, well, I always use I'm gonna see if I can put my uh, light on here uh, on my phone so we can just, um <laughs> so we're gonna get low tech here. But I I always liken it to um um <clears throat> Because the, the, there is that danger that people do. Is that an, I don't, it's kind of spooky now, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the Halloween special. <laughs> this is, uh, there we go. That's slightly better. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 it's time here. I should have recorded it in a room that had working light fittings. But, yeah, I, I always like it too. I say, um, I know what an aeroplane is for. That does not make me a pilot. You know, so, so, so when people go, I know what this movie is, well done you. But exactly that, can you... You as an right. individual, can you make that work? Right. You know, and, and that's ultimately that what matters. It's not an intellectual exercise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's uh, and that's a trap uh, that you. I got caught in that rabbit hole of of trying to figure things out because we didn't have anything to work from. Um, there's no records. There's, you've got. If anything, you have the opposite. It was a hundred at least hundred and twenty years, possibly longer of not knowing what that move did and people um you know like it to the game i don't know if you play this game in the uk with kids but the, the game of telephone yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. You whisper something in somebody's ear so every generation that passes down a, a kata or a, a taolu that we call it in chinese a form it's changed a little bit mm -hmm. a little bit i mean you can preserve it as well as you can but if you don't have the application of the move you're going to change it whether yeah, you know yeah. it or not so by the time it reaches uh, 1990 or 2000 or 2020, it's not exactly the same as it was in 1900 or 1890 or 1800, whatever year. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, no, it's similar for us. I mean, the, the one positive that karate has is that it's widely practiced. So there's therefore, yeah. there's a little bit more um, historical records to go at, um, which yeah. is quite, quite useful. And you've got all the different lines of evolution. So it's a little bit like linguistics, I guess, when you're trying to trace back what old languages are. You can compare German and English and Norwegian and see certain things in common. So you can take a guess. Yeah. This was probably what Proto-Germanic was like, you know. So I think there's something like that. You can look at, well, this is how Shotokan do it, Shitoru do it, Wado do it, Matsubashiru do it. So you can work out what are the idiosyncrasies of the style and what were the core things, you know. And those core things on the whole seem to have came through pretty much intact, you know. It's it's a very different uh, culture too. I mean, the, the Japanese are very good at recording things. And if the chi the Chinese were in some regards, but a lot of that stuff was burned mm -hmm. in the purges when Mao came to power. Um, you had the Cultural Revolution. You had a lot of periods of transition and change in China where they tried to erase the past. Mm -hmm. So if there were records on things, it didn't always follow through. No, there's the myth. I know that I was reading on your website as well, which I found interesting. There's the the myths. They get attached to the style origins as well, which then, because they've been repeated so often, become fact. You know? Yeah. So yeah. So we within karate, there's there's lots of that. The breaking boards was originally to punch through wooden armor, and it was a method to really? fight. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nonsense. Oh, of so you're not immune to that either. Okay. No, no, no. We've got that. That it was karate was the methods of the Okinawan resistance against the samurai invaders. None of that's true. That it, it was originally all came from the Shaolin Temple. No, it didn't. You know, it's it's it's, it, it's um, so yeah. I think that the myths are interesting because they told them for a purpose, and that in itself is interesting. What what were the? Why did they tell this story? What did they want you to think? And why did they want you to think it? But I always find the true history is a lot more interesting. You know, if we can get I know, to this, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. it's uh, and we have this problem where. I was doing a ton of um, a ton of research two two winters ago on our roots because there's a lot of mystery as to where the style, not where it came from, but who really started. It. So that brings us to the end of part one. Please listen to part two.